Number one, I realized I didn't know what I didn't know about leadership and influence, right? I didn't have the meeting before the meeting. I'd never thought to get buy-in or, or to explain things on the front end. Well, hello and welcome back to the Leadership Download. My name is Travis Van Dusen. I'm so happy for you guys to be with us today. Here today we have a very special guest for you, Rhea Story. Rhea's background includes more than 10 years of administrative healthcare, including work as a director of compliance for a large healthcare organization. Rhea's responsibility included thousands of uh, organizational policies, organizational compliance, and federal regulations. Today, Rhea is a motivational speaker, TEDx speaker, and author of 14 books, including Leadership Gems for Women. Rhea is a certified speaker and trainer and was, and was selected three times to speak on stage with uh, John Maxwell. She also is a motivational speaker connected to Les Brown and has also been invited to speak with Les Brown on stage in Los Angeles, California. Rhea shares a, her powerful principles of, and tools for transformation from her journey to equip and empower women, helping them maximize their potential and leadership. Today, we're gonna be interviewing her and talking to her about her brand new book, The Influence Ladder. So. Enjoy. I hope you enjoy this interview and we'll catch you on the other side. Well, Rhea, thank you so much for uh, joining us here on the Leadership Download. Uh, thank you for your time. Absolutely. It's a, just a privilege to be here. So, Rhea, before we get go any further, let's just tell us a little bit about yourself. You know, what brought you to the leadership space and all that good stuff? Uh, sure. You know, I think for me, my, my journey was a little bit different because for so much of my career, and the early stages of my career, particularly, I, you know, I thought leadership was reserved for the boss or the CEO of a company or the manager. And it's absolutely true that those people need leadership. But realizing um, probably about, you know, 2008, when I started reading my first real leadership book, uh, realizing that leadership is influence, as John Maxwell defines it. And then that made sense to me because then it wasn't just leadership is for the boss, but if leadership is influence, every single one of us, A, have some influence, but B, every single one of us want more influence. And that really hit home because I realized I didn't have as much of that influence as I wanted. So it's been a little bit of a journey. I was um, still working in a, in a, a regular job, quote unquote. And probably, goodness, it was almost six years before I was ready to step off and, and go into the leadership space. You know, I always knew leadership would help me in my job and my career. But at some point, I realized that this was a calling instead of a career. And uh, in 20, the end of 2013, I left my full-time job career um, and stepped off into leadership and influence and um, really the, the space that I'm in now. Curious to know, what was the first leadership book you ever read? It was A Leadership Goal by John Maxwell. Okay. I went to a, a leader cast, which is basically a, a simulcast where you go all sit in a room and they project it on the event onto a screen. And he was one of the speakers. And it just made such an impression on me because I'd never heard people talk about leadership as influence. I mean, I had 
I had a management degree. I had an HR degree, but, but leadership in that context had always been about the management of things, policies and procedures and HR and budgets and strategic plans. And there is a place for those things, but no one, not one credit hour, not one course, not one on the job training had ever talked about leadership as influencing people. And when I heard him speak and talk about that, it just made such an impression. And so they had some of his books for sale and I spent $30 on books, which at the time was I'd never bought a leadership book, you know, that was a big investment. And, but, you know, it really opened the, the door for me and, and realizing if it, leadership is influence, it's a skill we can develop. And I wanted to develop that skill. Yeah. So what inspired you to uh, initially pursue the leadership development space? Uh, I had a little bit of a roundabout journey. Um, as I mentioned that in 2013, I was um, getting ready to transition into what I do now for my, my career. But in that space, um, in that time, that, that time frame of that year, uh, Mac and I had gone down to a John Maxwell leadership um, certification. We attended a certification. And part of that was we signed up for a speaker training with Les Brown about six months later. So this would have been August of 2013 um, when the speaker training came up. And up until that point, I had never shared my personal story uh, publicly. Um, I was a victim of sexual abuse and, and left home at 19, um, leaving behind the father who abused me and, the, and trafficked me and, and the mother who still blames me for it. And I didn't have anything when I left home. I'd, I had a, didn't have a job. I didn't have any money. I, I had a high school I didn't have a high school diploma. Um, I had a duffel bag and a pillowcase stuffed with clothes. And that was, that was it. But I didn't talk about what happened to me after I left home beyond a few close family members. I didn't want people to know about my story. So, and, you know, in 2013, I had gone to get my GD and worked through college and finally got the degree I wanted to get the job I wanted. And I would have considered myself successful in 2013. But I heard Les Brown speak and we go down for the speaker training and Les Brown says, you've got a story to share and someone needs to hear your story. And I thought, well, I've got a story, but I don't want to share it. I worked really hard to leave that behind. So we signed up for this speaker training it had just been weighing on me whether to share my story um, publicly. And I did. Um, wasn't sure I could do it. Wasn't sure I would do it. Um, but I did. I shared my story publicly in, in August of 2013. And part of the speaker training was it was kind of a contest. Everyone had 60 seconds to speak, but you could only speak for 60 seconds. And that was the first time I shared my story publicly and actually was selected and invited to share the stage with Les Brown a few months later. And so 10 days after that, I, I just went in my boss's office and cried and resigned from that job that I'd gone to college for 10 years to get the degree I wanted. But it was the difference between a career and a calling and realizing, you know, if I had known some of these leadership principles, my journey would have been different personally and professionally. But realizing that if I could learn to apply these and be more successful, then to me, that was a calling and helping other people realize, number one, what happens to us doesn't determine us, doesn't define us. Um, and in the leadership space, that really looks like we can't control other people, 
but we always have the ability to lead and influence ourselves. And I think leadership of anybody else starts with leadership of self. Rhea, let's jump into a little bit of your book. The, the name of the book is The Ladder of Influence, mm -hmm. Ladder of Influence. So I, as I was reading through the book, you really talk about two kinds of influence. There's artificial influence and there's authentic influence. Can you kind of break those two down for us? Sure. And, you know, a lot of times we think of leadership for the boss or the supervisor and manager, and that really, there is some influence there, but it's based on authority, right? So there's not a lot of authentic influence. There's some authority, but it's a perception of artificial influence, because if I'm leading or influencing someone just from my position, if you take that position away, I have nothing in terms of influence. And people who follow us only because they have to, because we have a position and we tell them what to do, people who follow us only because they have to will only do what they have to. And we've probably all experienced that where we didn't have a good leader. We felt like the leader didn't care about us, was simply using us to hit the numbers or to hit the goals or to produce the things. And when we feel like the leader doesn't care about us, we won't go the extra inch, forget about the extra mile, right? If we feel like we're not valued, then we won't work, you know, above and beyond. And it's sometimes it's the little things with people, right? But maybe you've had the experience of having a good leader and you knew that they cared about you. And so you stayed a little late to work on a project or you came in a little early without being asked just because you knew it mattered and, and that person cared about you. And so you would go above and beyond. Um, and, you know, when we think about that, our leadership just by title or leadership just by position really is artificial because there's not a lot of true authentic influence. Authentic influence is I can influence you because of who I am and the relationship that we have because leadership is based on relationships. Relationships are built on trust. And if there's no trust in the relationship, there's not a lot of, of influence. Rhea, so when did you realize that influence was really critical to your success? <laughs> Well, it was one of those humbling moments. Um, I had, this was in 2007 probably, and I had graduated um, with my first management degree and I had a title as the office manager and I had a degree hanging in the wall that said, you know, management and um, about very short within my first day on the job as the office manager, I wanted to make some changes in the office. And I'd, I'd been working in this office for quite a few years and I'd gotten promoted um, after graduating. And so I, I knew of some process changes that were very simple that we could make to make the office more efficient. And I didn't realize that I didn't have true authentic influence. I just had a title. I just had the position. And so, you know, like anyone who doesn't know what they don't know, I, I go up and I tell the office, I'm like, okay, this is the way it's going to be. I'm going to just lay down that this is the way we change this process. And it had to do with the way that we um, handled checking in patients. And, you know, it was a very simple change. It made perfect sense. It was more efficient. It was, it, it was logical. I don't know why nobody had done it before, you know? So I made this change and a, a couple of hours into the day, one of the uh, physicians was like, I, I don't like it. It really changes the way I 
you know, work. And I'd never considered that number one, which is certainly on me. But number two, my, my next mistake was saying, well, no, I'm not going to put it back. It makes more sense. It makes perfect sense for the front desk. And no, we're just going to keep everything like it is. And this is why it's more efficient. And, and he didn't say anything. He just turned around and left and he went and called my boss and she called me and said, put it back. He doesn't like it. And so I went in my office and shut the door and like any self-respecting office manager, I put my head down on the desk and boohooed because number one, I realized I didn't know what I didn't know about leadership and influence, right? I didn't have the meeting before the meeting. I'd never thought to get buy-in or, or to explain things on the front end. Um, I had the title, I had the, the degree on the wall, but I didn't have true influence. And uh, secondly, I realized that I needed to, I needed to learn more because that was a critical skill for success. Well, yeah, there's a lot of things. I think uh, some of those things, I think you just have to learn through, <laughs> through the process of being uh, kind of knocked down a few times. Mm, absolutely. But, uh, you know, we, we really speak to a lot of new managers and people who are just really getting their feet wet in, in management and we talk, we really talk about that idea of understanding that buy-in is necessary, mm. that influence is not automatic, that, you know, though that takes time and being that you grew up, I was curious to know, since you kind of moved your way up through an organization and stayed at the same organization, did you face any challenges being that everybody kind of already knew who you were? Now, suddenly you're the, the, the decision maker of a department. That was not a challenge in terms of relationships with people who had been my peers and, you know, now we're not. Um, I was very fortunate to have a, a great group, really, overall, um, great team members. Um, probably the biggest challenge was myself, really, in terms of I'm naturally a very task oriented person. I'm a get things, you know, get the things done. Um, and that can be an asset, right? In, in terms of managing a process or or an organization or an office, that's a that's a strength. But I tended to forget about building relationships with you know people who now were reporting to me directly. And not that I you know not that I meant anything negative about it. I just tended to go in and get work done. And you know I tended to be a little probably controlling because I knew, I knew most of the jobs in the organization I'd done at, you know, at some point, most of a piece of all of them. And so, you know, I tended to be a, almost, almost a little bit of a dictator, you know, kind of controlling, not proud of that, but, but definitely proud of having grown since then. But I remember having a conversation, the office hadn't even opened yet. And early one morning and um, one of the ladies who'd worked there, she'd been there longer than than I had. She probably should have been the office manager, really. She didn't want she didn't want the position and the responsibility. But she just, you know, told me one day, she said, Rhea, we feel like number one, you don't always act like you care about us. You know, you're just so completely on task and task focused and trying to control everything. And, and she really, you know, kind of went out on a limb and sharing that with me because I was her boss at this point. I mean, you know, I could have fired her for insubordination, but I listened to what she had to say and realized, you know what, I, I need to be a little more focused on people and I need to be a little less controlling of the work and, and let people do what they know how to do. 
Um, you know, so it's one of those moments that sometimes the little things do sink in to us um, and the little things can be the big things with people. So it, it took a little bit of time for me to shift and grow. Um, but, you know, over the years and, and through my journey, I'll look back at that and say, oh, wow, that was that was an impactful moment and a shift in, in my leadership style. It really wasn't until I discovered um, John Maxwell's five levels of leadership that I realized why building relationships was so important. You know, I'd never had that that aha moment of, of realizing I'm a task person. And so that can be a strength in, in management. But if you don't learn to balance that with relationships, it's a weakness in leadership. Yeah, that was one thing that I was uh, challenged with and most nervous about, especially transitioning from that frontline role to leading the team that, you know, were my buddies in the work environment. Um, but, you know, everyone has that, that, everyone is a person of influence and you start that you don't necessarily have to be a leader to have influence. You start by influencing where you're at, wherever you're at. And um, that eventually with my experience, it helped me build really advocates where people were. And of course you always have those. Um, I don't know how to say it, maybe devil's advocates, uh, but you, for the majority you have um, where they're advocating for your growth and they're your champions and they're the ones that going to provide that feedback just like you had one of your mm -hmm. uh team members provide that open and honest uh feedback to um you keep you keep you centered mm, yeah absolutely you know it was rewarding to go back years later and go hey i really appreciated that conversation and it and it helped me grow um and just be able to to close the gap and say Hey, thanks. I appreciate that. Sometimes it is hard to listen, especially when we, we want to be right all the time, right? <laughs> yes. So a little bit of humility. It goes a long uh, way. It does. So uh, obviously we don't, we, we want everyone to go out and buy your book, but can you begin really the, the core of this book is around the ladder of influence. Can you unpack that a little bit for us? Sure. Um, as I mentioned, I, you know, at some point I realized if leadership is influence, even if I'm not in a formal position of authority, I have some influence, but I want more of it. And the same influence principles that help us be successful at work will help us be successful at influencing at home. And how many of us not just want to influence the people at work, but how many of us want to influence our teenagers to make better choices in life? And to me, that's as much or even more of a reason to learn the lessons of leadership and influence. And so I really wanted this book to be for, you know, someone who not maybe isn't in a position of authority. I mean, those people absolutely can learn from that, too. But but realizing that I can build authentic influence without a title and a position. And I think that was really where my heart is with this. And so starting at the bottom of a ladder, because just like a real ladder, you start at the bottom and you have to climb your way to the top. And I, you know, there are steps on the ladder. And number one, we have to realize that we're always climbing the ladder of influence at some level. We may have a great degree of influence with one person, but maybe you meet somebody new or you have a new team member at work and you're not on the same level of trust in that relationship. You're not at the same level of influence with that person. So in some sense, you're always climbing the ladder of influence with different relationships. So it's a growth journey, right? We don't get to the top and, and arrive. But the uh, starting at the bottom, the first step on the ladder of influence is control of self. And I, I touched on this earlier where 
my ability to influence you or, or anyone else is going to start with being able to lead myself well. And this happens at work, it happens at home, but you know, it's just being able to be proactive, number one, when things happen and we have problems and there are going to be problems in life, life is, is certainly full of them. If you haven't had problems yet, just hang around, keep living, they're going to happen. But when things go wrong, my ability to be proactive and respond based on values and principles, instead of being reactive based on my emotions and feelings, that's going to determine if I'm increasing my influence in that relationship at home or at work or decreasing it, right? Because I bet you've never had someone blow up and get mad and blame you for something and yell at you and lose their temper and take their frustration out on you. And you thought, man, I like you a little bit more now, right? <laughs> That's, that never happens. And so when we realize that if we can be proactive and control ourselves, that increases our influence with people who value the same things we do. And it's kind of like New Year's resolutions. It says easy and it does really hard. But every time we get it right, we can increase our influence in that situation. We've never, you know, lost our temper in a meeting at work and gained more influence with our boss. It, it doesn't work like that. We've never blown up at a customer and gotten more influence with our coworkers, right? So controlling ourself in, in every dimension um, is the first step. And that is something we all will strive to master. And, and, you know, that is a journey, right? That's something we're always continually working on. We all get it wrong. Sometimes we all get it right sometimes, but the more we get it right, the easier it becomes to influence. So the second step on the ladder of influence is character development. And that's really developing who I am as a person and how I do what I do because that's going to determine if I can build a relationship with you, but it also determines if I want to build a relationship with someone. And that comes down to who I am as a person. And one of the examples that I use in the book um, in this with, with respect to this step is just making a commitment to be on time. If I tell you, hey, let's meet at 10 o'clock and I don't show up till 1030, that's costing me some influence in that relationship because that's an integrity issue now sure we've all had something happen and we're late from time to you know okay that life does get in the way but if i have a pattern of breaking commitments i'm losing in trust i'm losing influence in that relationship if i'm always late to work i the boss already knows that i don't have integrity when i should be at work at eight and I don't come in till eight fifteen. If I have a pattern of doing that, that's going to cost me potentially future promotions or a pay raise. You know, it might cost me an opportunity and I don't even know. Uh, it's ironic that we call things like character traits soft skills, like there's something easy about developing your character, right? But it's attitude, my ability to work with people, how I interact with people. Um, integrity team you know these are all we call them soft skills but there's nothing soft about it it's it's tough to grow our character but at the end of the day that helps us climb the levels of influence and realizing when i grow myself as a person i can increase my my influence because here's the thing people who are higher than we are on the ladder of influence number one they always know it 
but they're going to be able to see quickly if we are below them on the level uh, on the, the ladder of influence, right? If we're a couple of steps below them, they're quickly going to know it. So if we're trying to increase our influence with someone who's above us, we've got to start working on climbing higher. And the third step on the, the ladder of influence is competency. And this is where we can influence people because of our professional abilities, our technical knowledge, our skills. Now, the reason this stacks on top of character, because there again, we need both. We have to have character in what we do and how we do it. But we have to have the ability to produce results. If we're talking about professionally, I mean, we have to be able to do the work that we're hired to do. But it's how we do it that's determining most of our influence and most of our success in life. I use the example of a, of a doctor because everyone can relate to, I want my doctor to have graduated from medical school, right? There better be a degree hanging on the wall if, if they're practicing medicine. That's competency. But it's how that doctor makes you feel in what, all of five minutes once a year that you're in the exam room? That determines if you want to go back. But it might not even be the doctor's character. It might be the nurse who walks you back or the receptionist that doesn't greet you when you walk in the door, right? So we've all had the experience of a restaurant that was phenomenal. And that comes down to the, the character and the leadership ability of the leaders. Um, but most of the time, what's determining our influence personally and professionally is based on competency and character on top of control of self. Because if we have great competency, but we're rude to everybody around us, it's not going to help us build influence. It's not going to help us build trust. The fourth step on the ladder of influence is commitment to developing others. And this is a shift, right? The first three steps on the ladder are all about me being successful as an individual. At this step of the ladder, it's it's being willing to pour into somebody else. It's being willing to sacrifice to help somebody else learn to climb their ladder of influence. This takes time. It takes energy. It's maybe mentoring somebody, right? It's mentoring somebody at work or helping somebody else grow. And when we start to sacrifice to help someone else grow, we can influence them at a much greater level because at this level, we people people follow us because we've got influence with them, what we've done for them as an individual to help them be successful. And the fifth step on the ladder of influence is contribution of service over time, right? So people at this level have influence at a very high level because they've done so much for so many for so many years, right? I mean, Mother Teresa comes to mind. She never had a formal position of authority, but how many people did she influence and still influences the world over? Um, Nelson Mandela, Martin Luther King Jr., right? Even if we've never met those people, they have influence just because of who they are and what they've done. So that's a quick, but but I know that's a, that's a high level overview, but um, you know, it's really where we think about how can I just be intentional about increasing my influence. So the book, I kind of walk through each of the steps and I talk about application at home and application at work, right? What does this look like with my relationships in my personal life, but also professional? What are the things that I can do to climb the ladder? Yeah, that's so good, Rhea, because I think that's important not only to think about our influence in our, the professional environment or whatever work we do on a day-to-day, but more importantly, it's having that influence at home. And I've often seen leaders where they're killing it at work. They're the CEO, top executive, yet 
you know, home, home is a mess. So I appreciate you providing that, that resource where people can start applying this topic, such as the ladder of influence at, at home. Yeah, absolutely. It's so true. You know, we want to be well-balanced, right? Success is not just having a, a great career or making, you know, the money, but, but also what does success look like at home personally and professionally? You know, we could also apply that concept to our health and, and, you know, there's so many dimensions of life and we want to be balanced with, with all of them, but it's all a challenge. You know, we all are still climbing the ladder at some level and, um, everyone's journey looks a little different. And so as we climb that ladder, you know, we're, we're on different levels of the ladder, depending on the person and of course our relationship with them. Um, and of course there'll be times when you fall off the ladder with someone. So what happens when you fall off the ladder with someone? Mm. So if you fall off the ladder with someone that that's a, a breach of trust, right? That's you said something you shouldn't have said or did something you shouldn't have done or didn't do something that you should have done or said. And so I, it's kind of like Humpty Dumpty falling off of the wall. And it's hard to put Humpty Dumpty together again the same way. It can be done, but it takes much longer to, to glue it back together because, you know, once it's been broken, it's much, much harder to rebuild that. It, it can be done. Um, but it is much harder and it takes a great amount of time, right? Because once there's been a violation of trust, a breach of trust, you're going to be much less likely and much slower to trust somebody in the future. They've already shown you that, you know, they violated your trust. And so you're going to be a lot less likely to trust that person again in the future and right, rightfully so. So, you know, we... Every relationship, Covey uses the analogy of a, a bank account, an emotional bank account. Every single interaction with someone, we're putting a deposit into the trust account or we're taking a withdrawal out. And I think that's a great way to look at that and being intentional with all of our relationships because what happens, especially with people we live with or work with, right? We're with them a lot of times. We'll take a little withdrawal out and don't even mean to, right? We'll forget to say thank you when they've done something for us or, you know, forget to, or, or don't make an apology when we should, right? A little tiny withdrawal, we might not even mean it, but it happens. And if we're not intentional about putting those in deposits of trust and influence in, then someday we wake up and the, the relationship is overdrawn, right? Just like a regular bank account can get too overdrawn if you take out too many withdrawals. And so when we find that that's happened in a relationship, we have to be very intentional about rebuilding that level of trust. Wherever the break was, then we have to work much harder to, to overcome it. Yeah. So uh, what do you hope that people will uh, get out of this book? I, I really hope, number one, they realize that they can increase their influence and realize some absolutely practical ways that they can do that. But number two, I think that, or maybe number one, the, the biggest thing I would love someone to take away is realizing we can't change other people. We can't control other people, but we always have the ability and the freedom to control ourselves, right? How we respond to any situation. And that's the key because how I respond is either increasing or decreasing influence. And so realizing number one, I can't change them, but if I focus on me, when I change me, 
my world changes because my family changes, my community changes, my workplace can change, right? The power to increase our influence starts with how we lead and influence ourselves. Because so much of the time we start blaming other people, right? It's easy to blame other people because we don't have to do anything to fix the situation. If I'm blaming my lack of success in my career on my boss, then I don't have to do anything to fix it. The moment I take ownership or responsibility for saying, you know what, if maybe that is a bad boss or a bad leader, but I've got to take ownership for what I can do in this situation. If that means developing myself where I'm at to be more valuable so that I get more opportunities, maybe it means stepping out and finding a, a leader that is a better fit for my work or my work ethic, right? Whatever that looks like, I've got to take ownership of that. If it's personal relationships, I have to take ownership for saying I can't control that person, but I can control me. And if I do that, I can potentially increase my influence with them. It, it's as easy and it does hard, but it absolutely can be done. And I think that's the greatest freedom for all of us is realizing that I really, you know, I'm creating tomorrow by the choices that I make today. Yeah. So how can people connect with the work you're doing? This has been an amazing podcast discussion so far, talking about your new book and the ladder of influence. So how can people connect with you and, and your work that you're doing? And also, how can they uh, get a copy of the book in their hands? Well, sure. You can connect with me on social. I'm on LinkedIn or, or Facebook or Instagram or Twitter, probably any of the, the big ones that you can follow me on. And I you know I put out daily inspirational posts and, and things to encourage us. But um, you also can find more information on the book and the Ladder of Influence. Just go to ladderofinfluence.com. Um, it, that will take you directly to my website and there's a link there to find the book, but also kind of talk a little bit more about the ladder of influence. Well, excellent. Excellent. So before we go, we like to always do a little bit of a bonus round of a couple of just, uh, random questions just to get to know <laughs> okay. our, our guests a little bit better. Um, all of them are kind of really lasered in on leadership. So the first question is, uh, the be what's the best leadership book you've read in the last you know year or so? The best leadership book that I've read in the last year or so actually doesn't specifically deal with leadership, but it's The Five Levels of Attachment by Don Miguel mm -hmm. Ruiz Jr. Very profound concept that talks about how we create an identity and how we create an attachment to those identities. And are those healthy attachments? Do we need to change those attachments? So it's really there more about a leadership of self than leadership of others. But there again, I know that that's the foundation of influencing other people is leadership starts with me. I actually read that book on your recommendation because uh, we when we met last year. Awesome. And, that, and then the second question is, um, what is something that you've done in your life that you would suggest anyone do? Set a big physical goal for yourself and go out and do it, right? Because what I've found is that when we grow in one dimension of life, it helps us grow in other dimensions of life. And I think our physical, uh, our physical dimension of life is probably the easiest to tackle um, in terms of an achievable goal, like, you know, do a 5k or, you know, go to a weightlifting, you know, whatever it is, set some, set a goal for yourself that is achievable, but it's going to help you grow, right? It's, it's not about the goal itself. It's becoming the person who can accomplish that. And for me, I think it's a little easier to do that in the physical space with our health, not only will it help us feel better to tackle the other dimensions of life, 
but it's also so incredibly empowering, right? It helps us with discipline. It helps us with confidence and all of those things help us be more successful with our mental and relationship and, and spiritual dimensions as well. So I say, pick something big, you know, dream big and then work hard to accomplish it. Most of what we dream about can be done. It's just a question of, are we willing to sacrifice and are we willing to be consistent enough long enough to stick with it, to achieve it. And then the last one is dead or alive. Who would you like to have lunch with? Oh, I have a list of so many people. <laughs> um, you know, that, 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 that list is really massively long. I think it would be really interesting to sit down and, and have lunch with mother Teresa um, really because she just had such a level of humility. Um, and, I think that's, that's something we can all learn from, right? Leadership is really the heart to serve. And um, I think that we can all learn from that. Uh, Bob Goff interests me just because I so enjoy his books, um, you know, and he has just an incredible joy, enthusiasm um, that, that just shows through. And so uh, that would be something to have an interesting conversation. Um, and the other person that, that I think would really... Uh, I could learn from would be Nick Vujicic. Just really, again, he's he's just really got such an incredible, resilient, positive attitude in the face of adversity. And again, that's something I respect and something I think we could all learn from. So that's my top three at the moment. The first three that come to mind. Yeah, I know you've you've written um, quite a number of books. And uh, what what continues to uh, what is it in your heart that keeps the motivation and to write books and and, um, and share, share more of your content out there? I think it's continued growth. Uh, for me, growth is something that we should con be consistent with on a daily basis. And if we're continuing to grow, then we're continuing to put things into our, our mind. It changes the way we see the world, right? It, if, as I grow, how I view the world changes. And so if we continue to do that, then for me, that's a natural step of, well, I have more that I can give because I've grown, right? The last book I read, wrote was in 2020. And I realized I've grown since then, but it, it you know, the time had to be right, but I, I had to grow enough to be able to write this book. Like I couldn't have written this book three years ago. I, I hadn't grown enough. So that continues to give me the inspiration because every day someone reaches out to me and says, oh, I, you know, I'm, I'm learning from you and, and that humbles me at some level, but that inspires me, right? That's why I continue to do what I do is because we're all on the journey. We're all at different levels. You know, I might not can help quite a few people in the world, but I can help a quite a few people in the world, right? Mm -hmm. Those people who are still climbing to, to maybe some level that I've climbed and that inspires me, right? That keeps me going. And that's my why, because to me, that's, that's legacy, right? That's the definition of real success for me is helping somebody else be successful. The legacy is what you leave in somebody, not what you leave for somebody. Well, that is an excellent way to wrap up our time together. Uh, Rhea Story, thank you so much for being with us today. Absolutely, just a privilege. Thank you so much. Well, thanks again for joining us today on the Leadership Download. If you'd like to find out more about what we do, please uh, go to tcadvisorygroup.com or check out any of our social media. And also, please share in all of our, these podcasts as we want to add value to as many people as possible. 
Well, we hope you enjoyed today and we'll catch you guys on the next episode.